in the woods, probably can't even struck D. Bring the noise. On the Fifth Element Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen, hope you've all had a good week in circumstances. This episode is a very, very special one, I must admit, I'm very, very hyped about this one. Um, it is a two-parter, and uh, there's a, a clear reason for that, and uh, I'll get to, and I'll probably say it when, pff, when do I feel like saying it? Um... Probably, probably at the end of this episode, I'll, I'll, I'll give up the ghost on that front. But for now, it's a two-parter. Live with it. Uh, so for this, for this particular part, and for the next two episodes, obviously, um, I am talking to director Jim Goggins. Um, this came uh, about uh, very simply. <laughs> I literally, uh, you know, I was watching uh, Bulletproof Two, and uh, he directed the first three episodes of that show, of that particular season. Um, he's also uh, directed in stuff uh, such as Casualty, Red Rock, and also uh, Silent Witness. So you know he's, he's been he's been around he's been around for a minute. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, in terms of uh, I guess uh, scale, Bulletproof Two is his uh, biggest uh, task so far, and obviously his most recent one. And I was watching it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I gassed up on Twitter a little bit, and uh, he responded. I didn't even you know clearly he was following. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, he was following a, you know, bulletproof uh, uh, two, I don't know, hashtag or whatever, because uh, yeah, he just ended up liking it, and uh, you know, I hit him up once I realised who he was, and I was like, that'd be an interesting story, um, just in just in general, I think it'd be an interesting story, and you know, I've, I'm I'm, try- I'm trying to diversify a little bit, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I like to do artists, obviously, you know, it's kind of the bread and butter of this uh, particular, you know, being in the fifth element and obviously being a music website, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to branch out, you know, obviously this is what's good, and, you know, I, the point of the show is, you know, in its heart, in its core, is that it's supposed to, you know, range from other stuff, um, including film and TV, so, uh, you know, I thought, let's, be, let's, try and, let's try and branch out, and uh, this is, a, you know, with that said, a little, a bit of a special one, honestly, because, um, you know, it's, it's the first time I've, I've gotten a director on to talk about directing, and, uh, you know, his career directing, so it's a very interesting it's a very interesting pathway as it pertains to you know that kind of uh, career, um, the, the career path. You know, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very different to a lot um, of others. But with that said, let's just, oh, damn it, let's just jump right in once again. Let's just jump right in. Formalities before we begin. We have the email, Twitter, IG, Facebook, Discord links, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes below. Go click that link. Go click it. Go on. Go click it. Click it, click it, click it, no, don't click it, go click the damn link, perhaps, go do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, apart from that, we shall jump right in, my interview, part one of my interview, Mr. Jimmy Goggins, hope you all enjoy. Okay, Jimmy <laughs> Try again, take two, go on. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, ladies and gentlemen, I did try ahead of time, and he did tell me ahead of time. But as soon as as soon as I started recording, I was like, 
shit, it's gone, it's gone out of my head. <laughs> let's, let's, but we got let's it. Start, let's start we with a good it. story. The story is I, I did a little bit of work in America. And the American, the Americans yeah. found it really, really hard to pronounce my name. It was like I can imagine. <laughs> so there used to be a, um, a a kind of cereal, like a a breakfast cereal in the states, and it was called uh, like Lucky Charms, and it had a leprechaun on the front. Yes, yeah. I, and so yes, because heard, yeah. I was Irish, obviously my nickname became Lucky Charm. So it was like they just call me Lucky Charm. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but they couldn't get my name, so I tried to devise a way to for them to understand my name. So. I came up with this thing and I said, mm-hmm. it's like pyramid. So it's like the word pyramid, but with a D. And I was like, I, I, I was really proud of coming up with that. And so people were like, hey, yes. pyramid, 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 which is close. It's not fully there, but it was better than what I was being called. But one particular guy who wasn't the sharpest tool in the box, so to speak, <laughs> um, he was a couple of cans short of a six pack, as one might say. Um, <laughs> he, he 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 didn't drop the piece, so he went around calling me the pyramid. He he going, hey the pyramid. I was like, no 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 man, you, you take the p out. It's like oh, it's no. pyramid. Oh, no. So for those of you oh, no. who are really struggling, it's like pyramid with a d. Pyramid. I like to pronounce it pyramid. <laughs> oh, okay. So how many? I'm I'm, just, I'm I haven't even started the the actual interview yet, but I just wanted to I just wanted to ask this for kicks. Like, how many iterations of your name has there has there been uttered to you? What's what's the what's the ballpark number at? I'm, I'm, I'm wow. generally curious. I mean, it's it, it, not that many. It's funny because like, so it's pronounced Dermot. You get Dermot, which is like kind of the which is another name because D-E-R-M-O-T is highly simplified yeah but it's like so D-I-A-R-M-U-I-D my spelling is the very Irish name of it there's D-I-A-R-M-A-I-D so there's like Dermot 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 and as you said you said earlier um, some people pronounce it with a J at the start and it kind of tends to happen with the people from the country so people from outside Dublin uh, and tend to be from the kind of Mm -hmm. west of Ireland they say Dermot with a very heavy kind of pronunciation of the J, so it becomes G. Yeah, that's what Google German. says. Yeah, so it says German. So it's it's funny. There's there's, I'd say there's probably like five or six, but like I've heard so many. I get called Diamond a lot. People call me Diamond. They hear it and they kind of go Diamond, which I think is pretty cool. So like I become Diamond. Ge- I become yeah. Diamond Geezer pretty quickly, which always works really well in London. Um, yeah, that, and yeah. I think it spell checks. If you write my name, it spell checks to Dairy Maid. So, um, uh, I, yeah, I All get right. called Dairy Maid quite a lot. My emails either come into Dear Dairy Maid or Dear Diamond. <laughs> um, so, yeah, oh. it's great. You know what I mean? It's it's great. And then a lot of people just don't bother pronouncing it. I'll start meetings and they'll... Uh-huh. Rather than... A lot of people will always start a conversation and say, listen, I'm sorry, but I can't pronounce your name. So would you explain to me? <laughs> I, I think that's... I mean, that's just the, that's just the straight up way of doing it, isn't it? It's like, I, I, can't, I like I'm that, just going to not try. I'd rather... I ask. like that honesty because you're like, I'd prefer that rather than yeah. some people kind of try and say my name with a cough, you know? They'll kind of go, oh, hi. <clears throat> and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, <laughs> what, what was that? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, and you're going to go, you basically have no idea how to pronounce my name. And rather than ask or make a complete fool of yourself <laughs> and say it really badly, you just, you've just coughed over my name. But anyway, there you go. It's like, you know, we're already... 40 minutes into the podcast and we haven't got past my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it must be a hot talking point uh, in your, in your, I guess, whole life story in terms of how the hell do you say, you know? But uh, well, I'll, I'll begin formally. <laughs> Jim McCoggins, what is good, sir? How you good, doing? Good, man. Thank you very much for having me. 
Oh, pre- uh, honestly, it's great. Um, have, it's great having you. Honestly, like, uh, you you are the you are one of in a long list of people I've just asked just for the hell of it and hoped to and hoped I get it and uh, you know and you were great you were gracious enough to uh, uh to keep notes. So that was um I highly appreciate it, honestly making the time for it. Um, so I like to begin uh, at the beginning. Uh, which is well, it's easy to guess where you're born these uh, in this in, in already, but uh, we'll, we'll I'll say it anyway just for kicks. Uh, where were you born? Uh, what was your life like growing up, and what was your environment life environment like as you grew up? So I was born in Dublin, which is the capital city of Ireland. I was born in the south side, so Dublin is divided in two, kind of north side and south side. The south side has always been seen as the posher side, um. Okay. But obviously people on the north side would disagree with that. Um, right. It's kind of a joke. It's a running joke. But I was born on the south side in a place called Ballantyre, which um, was never really famous for anything other than, I suppose, about 10, 12 years ago, there was a huge shopping centre called the Dundrum Town Centre, which became one of the biggest shopping centres in Europe, was built about 10 minutes from my door. Um, so um, I was brought up in a family with four brothers and a sister. Um, I was the youngest boy and in kind of classic Irish family, uh, my parents had five boys and then kind of went one more time to get the girl, so to speak. And so my sister is the youngest, I'm the youngest boy and then I've got four older brothers. Um, and two parents who are both still alive and well and fighting a good fight, um, which is great. And they live about 10 minutes from where I live right now. So I haven't moved too far from nice. home. Um, and yeah, I, I had a really good upbringing. I mean, I um, I went to school through the Irish language. So I was schooled in what how we say, you might say, known as Gaelic. We call it Gaelge, which is an Irish language. So I, I was schooled in Irish. So I did all my maths and, in, not English, obviously, but maths and geography and mm. history and learning through the medium of the Irish language. So I'm fluent in both Irish and English. Um, and so that was quite unique at the time when I was brought up in I was born in 1980 so I was when I was brought up it wasn't so cool maybe to be to learning Irish at that time where now it's become really trendy and right. cool yeah um and yeah I had a really good really good upbringing great parents who looked after us and cared for us as much as they possibly could having six um having so many kids really you know it's like it's like it was hard it was tricky for them they weren't um massively rich but we never wanted for anything i gotta say you know we, we always had what we wanted and um it was great and I, I obviously from a very early age got into filmmaking and always wanted to become a filmmaker and kind of found out when i was about kind of 12 really that i wanted to make movies and um my parents were really helpful and santa claus was very helpful he <laughs> um brought a camcorder one christmas which allowed me to kind of uh, make movies which was where it all began for me really and um, I kind of started my sister was a big fan of Sylvanian families which is like a, um, a collection yeah. you know they Perfect. are um, yeah. and I used to make yeah. stop motion movies with my camcorder and her Sylvanian families and that's kind of where really? I wow. started to learn the technique of filmmaking and um, I mean it was pretty crude and terrible to be honest when I started out but it was uh, it's where I learned it and I started pretty much from 12 on started making movies and it became a kind of hobby for me to make so to make movies um yeah that's kind of a a, a rough um shape of what of me and what i was like and where i was born oh that's, that's what's up that's what's up so literally the i guess the 
first dream for you, so to speak, was actually filmmaking. That's kind of kind of fascinating because from most people I've talked to throughout the series, like it's always been, you know, something else, and then and then the actual thing that they're known for later on. I guess it's uh, so. I think it's kind of rare that someone um, finds their, I guess, passion, so to speak, so you know, so so early on, and actually, you know, actually do it. <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, kind of it's kind of rarity. I had um, obviously like uh, when I was much, well, I suppose before that, I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be a snooker player, but I never followed through in it. You know, I was like, in that like I did have a snooker table. We had a small snooker table at home, and I always fancied myself becoming a snooker player. But it kind of lasted for like yeah. two summers, kind of thing. You know, whereas the film thing um, kind of started obviously because I got a camcorder and that, but uh, it really became my brother was into movies and he was more into kind of watching movies and he uh he used to subscribe to empire the, the movie magazine empire yes and yeah. um i used to kind of read it you know i just used to flick through it and there was a uh, actually i came across the actual um supplement recently but there was a supplement in one month's uh magazine and it was all behind the scenes photographs and it was the first time i ever i suppose realized that there was a behind the scenes you know when you watch a movie you never know it's made you just think it like you know it's real life so to speak um mm-hmm. and there was pictures of um the camera there was pictures of you know the equipment behind the scenes and then there was kind of one of the most famous photographs was a picture of on the set of frankenstein the movie and it was frankenstein and the doctor and both of them were in full costume uh, but they were enjoying a cigarette and a cup of coffee you know and mm-hmm. it kind of broke that fourth wall for me where i went whoa 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 hold on a minute these guys are what they actually smoke and have coffees and you know and it it, it was that kind of fascination that brought me into kind of filmmaking and then I kind of um I mean in them days there was no such thing as Google and I sound like I'm back in the 60s but you know there wasn't internet there wasn't inter- there was dial-up connection I think but yeah <laughs> so learning about making it was like I pretty much picked up a camera watched a movie and then just shot stuff and then I never really understood editing in the first few times I never knew there was such a thing as editing so I just shot entire takes you know and then you know and then I moved the camera as I shot it and then slowly began to realize so it became a thing that I learned over time. But yeah, it pretty much as soon as I kind of snapped onto it, as soon as I realized that uh, this was a thing, it never went out of my mm. mind. It became a fascination. And I'm, mm. st- I'm still trying to master it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah well, that's, that's always the thing, isn't it? Oh, it's never it's never, never perfect craft kind of thing. No. But, um, yeah. Um, so I usually ask this um, to uh, artists in terms of music, but in terms of filmmaking, I guess, like, what was the, what were the, uh, what were the films, TV shows, just any, any visual uh, aids or whatever that you were, uh, I guess, exposed to growing up? Like, what was your, what was your family watching and did you like any of it? Because uh, sometimes I didn't rate, well, my dad was watching, <laughs> let's be real. But, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, was there anything that, I guess, uh, what 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 were you watching? I guess what was what was the family watching back in the day? Um, yeah, there wasn't. The thing about it is, is that we were kind of growing up, but never really watched much TV. You know, it wasn't really a thing. You know, TV was kind of a treat in my household. Like it was never something you kind of sat in front of and binged on all day. It was it happened maybe for half an hour in the evening, and I particularly remember mm-hmm. it kind of maybe at weekends more so as a kind of a treat. You know, definitely going to the cinema wasn't something that happened much. Not in a bad mm. way. It was more just that, like, there were so many of us and it was expensive for my parents to do it, you know? And I was like, it just yeah. wasn't really a, th- a thing, so to speak. But I do remember yeah. my dad 
would have watched a lot of cowboy films i think like most people's fathers and i never really got them to be honest as a kid i never got i was like what the i don't really see it you know i never understood what the the love for them was i do now but back then now i, I kind of probably spielberg was probably kind of who i'd remember i mean i think most kids would have said like you know et's uh and kind of spielberg's early films would have been films that i probably kind of remember watching and kind of seeing and then kind of films that like like christmas films like charlie and the chocolate factory or kind of ones that would have stood out for me as films that not necessarily because at that point i didn't understand the craft of it so to speak but what i remember is an, an emotion or a feeling and i remember like watching films like charlie and the chocolate factory um feeling like happy or feeling sad and then that all being yeah. all that that all being created by this little box in my sitting room you know and kind of going wow this and then i suppose that's something that you begin to realize that as a filmmaker tv maker director as an artist in any form that you can impose emotions and feelings upon people and that that's kind of pretty incredible you know and i think that's so more so than being amazed by particular filmmakers i think i was amazed by the the notion that you could feel something and and not kind of physically touch it or not know the person if you know what i mean and feel like Mm -hmm. feel i suppose a little bit by watching television in the same way that i kind of as a young person used to read books i'd get kind of grossed in the world and kind of get lost in that world for the two hours of the of the movie and then kind of come out of that and kind of go and never be able to fully verbalize at the point because i was young but kind of know that I felt really warm and kind of fuzzy watching that movie or I felt scared watching that movie. And, you know, I kind of remember films like Labyrinth with like David Bowie of all people back here, you know, which I remember being scared, you know, so scared watching, like, you know, it was one of the things I like literally behind a, a, a pillow trying to watch it. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, now I look back and I kind of go, wow, it was like the, the, the how incredibly powerful that is to be able to create that. And they were filmmakers, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't tell you who, who made Labyrinth now. And I'm really, usually really good at, but like, I suppose now looking back, it was more of that, that kind of in, uh, inspired me rather than, and then as I grew slightly older, maybe towards my mid teens into my early kind of twenties, and I still would be kind of a big fan of Spielberg in terms of, I still think he makes movies like nobody else in terms of just that kind of, um, that emotion and that kind of, I suppose w- what I would see is, pure hollywood which was pure entertainment like spielberg kind of embodies in many ways you know it's like it's not always right it's not always um politically correct or it's not always but it's always entertaining you know and i think that's what kind of Mm. i grew up thinking i would become in some ways is that a kind of entertainer like the uh, i always and still would sit down on some saturdays if indiana jones is on tv i just cannot but not watch it because I just feel the the warmth and fuzziness I get when I watch the movies and the escapism of being somewhere outside of my own life is incredible. I find that kind of interesting actually because I never really... Um, I feel like the older, well, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more just like, <laughs> the more past that kind of feeling I uh, have in terms of priority when watching uh, films or TV or music or whatever, any form of art or entertainment. It's just like, I, I, I can't help but add something else to it or add uh, another uh, parameter. It's not just about, am I entertained by this? Mm-hmm. It's like, does this, uh, 
does this send a message? You know, what I mean, it's just stuff like that. And you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be that. Um, I think I feel like uh, you know, I'm sure this, I'm sure this is uh, I'm in the minority when it comes to this. I'm sure a lot of people can easily just plug out and just enjoy the friggin' film. But uh, yeah, so it's so always something that um, <clears throat> I I sometimes forget about. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's interesting. It's interesting you come through to that. Um, I think that's so, to do with the. I think that's in some ways to do with the artist in in us, in that, in me, and, yeah. and in you, you know. And I think that not everyone has that in them. So, I think people can tune off and, as you said, kind of switch off that brain and just watch a kind of a completely brain dead movie and enjoy enjoy that, you know. And I think yeah. I, I I do find that harder to do, as I'm guessing you do. And I think most people with the kind of creative artistic streak find that because. Sometimes, and it becomes a great question because it's that whole question which we're not going to answer now, and we never probably will. Is like you know, what is art, and what should art be, and you know, should art just entertain, or should it ask questions, and should it delve deeper? And and I think it's like there are many forms. It's like is a pure entertainment film art? Some people would say it's not, but if it creates an emotion and it elicits a feeling, then for me, it is an art form. You know, it's like, a, so it doesn't always have to have a political or a deeper message or a theme. Yeah. It, and, and, and some stuff does. And, and, and again, I think it's just different people. You know, I, I can, I would watch less of the kind of, I'm not really a big fan of the Marvel movies. They don't really do it for me. You know, it's like, um, but I, and, and there's a big question of obviously Martin Scorsese came out and said he reckoned it wasn't cinema and it became yeah. a big, you know, question you know and it's like i understand part of what he's saying and i'm not saying he's wrong at all because i know what he's trying to, what he's saying but there's there is an entertainment value to that and so therefore it works and it's just got there's a cynicism to it and that it's just you know people make it for money and it's like that's really all yeah. is behind it you know but it, it is interesting yeah. i think you, you know you touch on a really interesting thing which is that and it always comes down it's debate in movies always comes with the oscars you know every year it's like um you know what movie wins the oscar and if it's it's like like argo wins one year which really doesn't have much of a political message but it was damn good fun uh and mm. then the next year something much more political will win it you know and people kind of go oh you know so it's always a, so it's a great question and it's i find it fascinating and i don't have the answer i wish i could but it's it's amazing you know <laughs> all right well you undercut me there i was about to, I was about to ask but, uh... sorry sorry i'm a genius <laughs> I, I think it's fair enough <laughs> no it's it's subjective that's what exactly. it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it's it's subjective. Like you, you, you answer the question for yourself and only yourself. Um, people like what they like, and they like it for a specific reason. And you may not even understand that reason. Um, there's some genres of music where I'm just like, why, yeah. why, why does this exist? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean, yeah. it's like, what value are you getting from someone screaming at you? It's just like <laughs> something like that. You know, what I, mean? I don't, I don't understand it. But there's an audience for it, and uh, you know, that's just, just how you. Sometimes you just have to shrug your shoulders and just go, okay, that's that's you, that's you, that ain't me, but it's you, and uh, that's, that's that's fine by me. I'm just gonna continue with my life. Yeah, <laughs> and just uh, and just and just uh, go on. Uh, happy and free um but continuing on with your i guess a uh, uh, story where uh, where where you left it um in your i guess teen years um how was the what was the progression i guess from uh, sylvanian family uh, <laughs> <laughs> recordings uh to uh, you know getting into your teens and uh, early 20s and actually you know starting to make stuff 
properly, I guess? Um, probably college, really. I can kind of continue to make stuff uh, and kind of make films. And then it was really, um, uh, I, I got into university or college, as we kind of would know it a bit more here. But uni for me was kind of film school. Um, and so I went yeah. to film school and it was kind of there really where I began to kind of, uh, I suppose learn a little bit more about what was there and then make more make more films and kind of start to maybe craft where I might go uh, in my in my career and I spent I spent three years in kind of art school or film school and um, came out with a diploma from there at about uh, 2021 and then I kind of it was a strange one because there you kind of come out of college and you I suppose everyone's marker for a film is kind of Hollywood really, you know, like it or low that you always kind of go Hollywood is. And so you kind of, there's probably, you assume you'll just kind of get a phone call asking you to kind of go to Hollywood or, um, and I, I made a, a graduation film, which did pretty good. It got to a few festivals and, you know, got a little bit of interest. It wasn't fantastic, yeah. but, but um, I got some calls and, but not really the calls I was expecting. And, um, the whole drama film world wasn't huge in Ireland at the time. It still isn't really. Um, but what was really big was kind of TV and documentary mm. and lifestyle entertainment stuff. And because I was schooled in Irish, as I said, so in the Irish language, there was a TV station that had just started up, which was an Irish language station, which made Irish language content. And I kind of got working for them pretty much. So straight out of college, I started making documentaries, um, which is what I fell into and some lifestyle programming and some travel programs and that was amazing and I thought I suppose wrongly at the time but never knowing it then that that would just lead to kind of drama and making films and blah 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 but it doesn't and it still doesn't they're two very distinct worlds documentary and tv is kind of one world and then tv drama and film are kind of a separate world and actually tv drama and film is probably a separate world as well you know although they're kind of getting more closely aligned now so I spent yeah. about kind of eight years making documentaries and in that kind of time I still wrote a little bit and I made a couple of short films and them short films kind of got me a little bit of notice at film festivals and I kind of met some people but I kind of realised that I wasn't being taken seriously as a kind of filmmaker or a TV drama director because uh, because I was making documentary in a way, you know, because they, they, it, it there were two different worlds. So I kind of yeah. cut my ties with that documentary world and... Uh, I went back and I kind of I did a shadow scheme, which was basically like where you kind of shadow a director. So I was like an intern, if you like, but they call it shadowing. Yeah. And um, yeah. I went on a TV drama series, which was in shot in Belfast in the north of Ireland. And um, I shadowed him for like 12 weeks, getting paid a nominal fee, basically, and uh, kind of learned from him a little bit in terms of how to make t- how, how to do what he was doing. And um, off the back of that, I made my first episode of a BBC Northern Ireland uh, teen drama. And then off the back of that, I got an agent. And then that was kind of in the TV, a bit, I suppose a little bit like the music industry, you know, an agent or a talent scout or a publishing company behind you just gives you a little bit more kudos to kind of, uh, to people out there, you know. So I got yeah. an agent and suddenly you're kind of, you're a little bit more, you're, you're slightly up to scale. You're relevant. Really yeah, I mean, it's crazy, you know. And it's like, you do become a little bit, I think it becomes like a marker, you know, if you have an agent yeah. in some shape or form, you're seen as being better than someone who doesn't, although that's not true, but it's kind of mm. like a, 
Um, and so that kind of opened some doors for me and started to kind of maybe open up the professional world. Um, but it's funny because it's, I suppose it's like anything, it's, it's probably like music. Not that I know much about the music industry, but um, it's, there's no, you can't, you can't google how to be a director or you know there's no like one path about how to do it so it's very yeah. a very individual thing and you can learn from others but everyone's had a different route you know everyone's had and you're like oh, i don't know what route to go and what's the best route to go and um you know there's differing views about what the best way to go is that could be kind of come a minefield uh and you can sp- so it, it's it was tricky and it was like i was kind of at this crossroads where what was calling me quite a lot was i got on to do an episode of casualty for the bbc uh, which, you know, in my mother's world, that was me being made because, you know, the, the casualty was a huge show in my household on yeah. a Saturday night. Um, and it was massive, you know, it was like, to, I, you know, her son directing casualty. And, and for me too, it was a real big kind of step up, you know, to be working for the BBC. I remember getting my first BBC badge, mm. putting around my kind of shoulders and being really, really proud. Mm. And then I did it and you slowly realise that actually casualty is like, you know, it's good, but like it, in terms of where I want to go, because I'm quite enough, you know, uh, um, it, it's not. It's at the kind of lower end of the pile, and in TV world, it's kind of seen as continuing drama. So it kind of is slightly above EastEnders, Coronation Street, the soaps. Oh, right, okay. But if you kind of, yeah, it's you fall into that world a little bit. You become a little bit of a continuing drama director, which mm. it which sounds like a bad word in some ways, but in some worlds, it's kind of viewed a little bit like that. That you kind of, and so. Some people get kind of trapped in that world where they find it hard to get out of there because, uh, you know, high-end drama, as they call it, is where you kind of want to be, yeah. you know? And it's like, so I, I kind of learned that pretty quickly and sort of stopped doing some of the kind of continuing drama stuff. Um, and then I kind of moved, basically the big kind of breakthrough for me from, say, continuing drama into longer form high-end drama was doing an episode of Silent Witness for the BBC, which was like a nine o'clock post watershed show on the BBC, yeah. which was, um, which was kind of really what's kind of broke me out of that world, um, and then from then it's kind of been it's pretty. To be fair, like, not to speak, my rise, if you like, or my kind of career path has been pretty kind of meteoric. Like yeah. it hasn't been; it's happened all pretty fast, you know. Yeah. Um, partly because I'm pretty rootless about how long I do something for and I think a lot about it I probably overthink it but I kind of spend a short space of time doing one thing and then I want to move on do the next thing and, but I think that's good but I think it's 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 um it's hard it's a minefield and I, I get asked obviously a lot of the time how would you what would you recommend and what would you tell people I still don't know what I would say to somebody in my position say 10 years ago I don't really know what I tell them anymore you know bar make films and it's hard it's really really hard but it's been it's been good and it's getting better and I think obviously we're in an age now where content is kind of king and people are, you know, Netflix, Amazon's, Disney Plus, mm-hmm. they're all making huge amount of content. So it's a good time to be in an industry and be on the right. Hopefully, hopefully things are on the up and up. Who knows? Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's always the uh, asterisk you leave uh, when having these kind of conversations, especially in this particular climate. Yeah, you <laughs> come back in a year's time and I'm, you know, working in the middle. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing, but, you know. <laughs> back to casualty. Um yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Like thinking about that, uh, especially now when I'm just like seeing, ah, oh, this this stuff is announced, and I'm like, I right, that's cool, but is it happening though? <laughs> kind of thing. But, but obviously that's a more existential conversation. Um, something I've want, something I've been wanting uh, out of all that, I wanted to, I guess, pick apart. 
um, is the. It's interesting how you talk about levels, because uh, when you when you class like obviously casualty above like EastEnders and them, it's interesting you put casualty above it because. Uh, well, I have we we uh, well my sister's rewatching stuff, but uh, me and my mum like used to watch like you know, EastEnders and that, and um you know that was that was our show right, and then Casualty was just there, and I've always seen Casualty and Hobby City is just and stuff like that is just there, um and never actually you know I guess uh, I don't know how you want to word it I guess gave respect it deserves or whatever as a you know as you say a continuing drama but I've just never I just never vibed to it I guess and that's a it's interesting how you uh, frame that um you mentioned before that you were obviously heavy into um documentaries and you did those for a few years how was it was the uh was the i guess the uh did it help your i guess uh, more uh, did it help the creative side in terms of directing or was it very you know cuz obviously some documentaries can be very uh, regimented in terms of just how they're how they're seen. So it's like someone walking, someone being interviewed, someone doing this, someone being interviewed again. It's just it, it can be very you know um, formulaic. So did it give you actually any you know during that, during that period? Did it give you any breathing room to actually like be creative with uh, with your uh, with your directing or? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it, and I still kind of do love documentary filmmaking. You know, it's like it, it it's something that I will kind of. I, I think I will return to and I would make, you know, I'd love to make a kind of feature documentary, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I'm still fascinated by, because I'm fascinated by people, you know, I think as a, I love people and I love kind of watching people and understanding people and getting to know people because fundamentally that's kind of what drama is really. It's people, it's conflict, it's characters, you know, so I, I still love that world. And it was, what was great about documentary is there's there's a there's more of an unpreparedness if you like about documentary in that you you're kind of a little bit more run and mm. gun it's a little bit more so you don't necessarily have a, a full script you know in drama you have a full script which is like one to sixty yeah. pages which obviously you can fluctuate from a little bit but it's kind of a scripted start middle and end documentary has less of that as a director you sit down and you kind of plan out where you think this might go but obviously when I, if I interview you in a documentary you know I might know certain things about you but halfway through the interview I uncover something really really interesting that takes the documentary on a different kind of path, mm. you know. So it kind of, it teaches you to be um, a little bit more fluid, I suppose, maybe maybe organic, you know, and that you sort of, so what I would say I, as a filmmaker, TV drama director, whatever you want to call me, I'm slightly more organic about things, you know. I kind of take a script, I look at a script, and it's I, I will kind of tear it apart and understand the beat-to-beat moments that need to be played in that scene and what the kind of heart of that scene is. But sometimes how I get there or how the actors get there are what will kind of, will can be, I'm fluid. I'll let that kind of open up a little yeah. bit. And I'm not so worried about following everything to the letter of the law. And I think, and I'm not suggesting in any way that that's what every other uh, drama director does who has never come from documentary. Yeah. But I think I learned that maybe a little bit quicker, you know, and that I think sometimes I find with experience in any shape or form, you get a little bit looser, you know, when you get to know things a bit better, you get a little bit more, you get braver, you get a bit more confident. I, I just think I had a little bit of that from the get-go where I just less scared of, you know, not having a script or if something went wrong, which happens all the time on, on drama, I wasn't kind of phased by that. 
I kind of went, well, whatever, you know, it's like, if you couldn't shoot this way because it was a big truck, we had to shoot the other way. It was like, yeah, that's going to work. Or So whatever, you know, and I think that came from documentary. So I think having that ability is, so it's like anything, you know, having, and, you know, doing a casualty or doing EastEnders and doing documentary, they're not bad things. Yeah. Like anything, it's not, if, if you learn from them, you know, so I think it's like, if you just go in there, it's like everything. It's, you know, if you go in and just approach it as a kind of a job, and kind of go, oh, that's crap, and it's it's only EastEnders, I'm only going to do this. That's all you kind of get from yeah. it. If you go in and say, this is EastEnders, and I'm going to make the best bloody EastEnders episode yeah. that anybody's ever seen. Yeah. Whether you do or you don't, mm-hmm. at least you're kind of pushing yourself to... And I think it's it's about, it's you get what you put into something, you know what I mean? It's like if you put loads into it, you then get something out of it. And so for me, everything is as much about the work as as much a personal a journey for me, you know? So I kind of get to the end of something want to make the best documentary or TV drama or film. But I also want to kind of go on a journey for me and kind of learn about me and who I am. And I kind of am obsessed about trying to, I suppose, become the best director I can be. I, I, I'm amazed at directing and the art of it and the craft of it. And I kind of pride myself on spending so, a lot of time researching and reading and watching, trying to be the best I can be. And um, I don't think I'll ever be happy until I can kind of get there and I'm kind of pretty prepared that I might never get there but I'm going to give it a good old crack for the next 50, 60 years whatever I've got left in me you know Benny but the, the, the reason why I asked uh, I guess about uh, documentaries specifically is like um, and it's, it's interesting you still want to I guess you know dive into that because you know I feel like this past you know decade has really been like a golden age in that kind of thing especially in terms of um, storytelling and of how um, and, and, and you know there's always been you know a series of documentaries that still uh, you know have always been good in that fashion but I guess in just recent years it's just been there's been a really good amount of like you said in feature documentaries and uh, more of that journalistic element especially in TV as well and I just think people like it now I don't know I don't know why people are so interested in uh, documentaries all of a sudden but uh, you know true crime stuff and obviously in podcasting as well like there's mm. endless amount of true, uh, true crime podcasts about um, it's interesting just evolution in terms of how what people want um, you know uh, people like you said in film wise you know, there's there's uh, say what you want about Marvel movies but people are watching it <laughs> you know what I mean and say what you want about whatever podcast mm-hmm. that you don't mm-hmm. uh, if you don't like in concepts because I know some people don't you know there are people that rate these uh, you know the series serials of the world and s towns of the world and stuff like that and you know, there's, there's an audience for it it's kind of uh the john it's very, it's very fascinating so uh it's interesting that you i guess uh are still interested in that um i just wanted to i guess uh dip into that uh into that notion but um what would you mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. what would you consider obviously you've you've pretty much mapped most of your career so far but um what, what, what you and you said you and you said your mother considered your uh made it moment as casualty what, what was what what do you do you have or do you consider that even the concept of i made it kind of thing or it first the first of all <laughs> um 
no probably yeah. not i'll probably buy like you know i think i'm i'm becoming my own worst enemy in some ways and i'm trying to get better at it you know i think it's um like i i do i kind of i probably have moments when i get a job um so my my last kind of big job that i did i directed was obviously bulletproof 2 for sky you know it was the second season of bulletproof for sky and kind of landing that was a it's you know it's a it's a big budget show for you know a, a, a big broadcaster and um you know there was a lot of competition to kind of get there and to kind of land that was a, a really proud moment i probably like i probably revel in that for like a day or like maybe a week you know where i kind of go yeah uh, <laughs> and then i then i kind of then i kind of move on you know and it's it's kind of like a good thing in one way because it probably is part of me and it drives me, but it's a bad thing in another way because like it kind of, not that you're, not that I'm, you can make you deeply unhappy. That sounds a bit, but you you kind of, um, I forget to kind of just celebrate and kind yeah. of revel sometimes and kind of go, you know, yeah. and so it probably comes to for to other people to kind of sometimes snap that into me a bit and to kind of go, you know, and maybe I I know from friends or from other people that aren't, you know, are struggling to kind of get into a show that they want to get to or that, that maybe kind of gives me a little bit of reality and I kind of go, God, I'm not, I'm not doing too bad, but it's, it's not a kind of, um, I suppose I always kind of used to kind of, I don't necessarily like it about me in some ways, but, but it's kind of me. I've kind of grown to kind of go, it's just, it's actually me, you know? So rather than, you know, fight it and kind of go, just enjoy it and celebrate it. I, I'm not really good at celebrating anything. Like I don't really celebrate my birthday, you know, I don't really, preach. Like I don't make it, I don't, I, I don't, I don't make a big deal of it, you know. And and people are like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, mm, "Don't care." It's just, just, really. <laughs> just, just a day, uh, yeah. You know, and I'm always yeah, exactly. And it's like I just don't really, and it's not, it's not, and it's a bit like that. The whole art thing, it's like it's just each to their own. Yeah. You know, if you want to celebrate and have a big party, I'll come along and have a drink and party with you. But <laughs> yeah. um, just because I don't doesn't make me a bad person. Just leave. so I don't know, and it's nothing to do with the fact of getting older and getting less. It's it's just I just don't like really like make making a fuss about myself you know and i think i think it's a i think maybe it's a maybe a european thing i always say it's a real irish thing but i think i've spent a lot of time in the uk and i think the brits and the welsh and the scots aren't great at either we're not good at bigging ourselves up you know it's like i, I kind of always start a kind of conversation yeah. with you know saying like being negative about something you know what i mean it's like like the americans are great at kind of you know they're almost too much sometimes but they're great at like you know it's oh my you watch my show man it's amazing you know where i'm always like hey watch my show i mean it's okay you know i don't, I don't think i don't really like it but it's okay you know yeah. <laughs> and it's like a, a way it, I, you know it's people always oh it's a way for you to seek kind of it's not it's just it's naturally i just don't have that i don't think any of us have that kind of innate kind of confidence and to be going oh it's brilliant it's amazing mm -hmm. And I really, I love the Americans of that. I just think the Americans are amazing at just being so confident. And it's like, they're, whereas I do have a confidence, but sometimes it's not about my own work, you know, and I kind of will rarely look at my work and go, yeah, man, that's great. You know, mm. there's stuff I love about it. There is stuff I love and I kind of go, that's great. But I, I mostly look at other people's work and go, oh, I'd never thought of that. I wouldn't have done that. But I think that's also part of the artist's dilemma. You know, I think it's what we, it's what makes us better is to try and strive and to, to push i think it was russell crowe and i could be making this up but i think russell crowe remember reading something about him once and he said that he never kind of never watched his work you know he never looked back at his work and he was always kind of the notion of perfection it was a bit like i think the japanese crochet you know they they I think it's japanese crochet they, they, they always make a mistake in a line so they, they never make it perfect and it's kind of partly to do with perfection is kind of mm. a bad a bad thing mm. and 
Russell Crowe was kind of the same. He was like, the day I watch something and go, perfect, that's the day I give up, you know, because where do you go to after that, you know? And some people kind of say, oh, that's such bullshit. And, and maybe it is, but I kind of go, I think there's a certain truth to it. You kind of go, the strive is, if you get perfection and everything is absolutely flawless, where do you go to? It's almost like you kind of, it's like, where do you go from there? So not that I strive to make stuff not perfect. I don't. I, oh, but you, you strive to make perfection. But I don't know if you never ever really want to get there. Are, are, is perfection even attainable? Because what the hell is perfection? Because my perfection and your perfection are different things. Yeah. I've opened up a whole, a whole can of worms there, which is part two of the podcast. Uh-huh. Which is perfection. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, if it stretches past two hours, then it'll definitely be a t- two-parter, but we'll see. Um, and, oh, so, there's so much to get from that, honestly. Like, uh, firstly, um, I'd love to see you at a pitch meeting uh, in terms of just like, eh, this is alright. Yes, if you want it, you can have it. It's cool. It's cool. It's, it's, it's cool. I like it. It's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the enthusiasm just radiates off you. Um, secondly, uh, shout out to birthdays and the just the. I, don't, I just I just I I understand why people like like celebrating the birthday, but I see it like shouldn't I be celebrating my mum because she did that like it's mm-hmm. like happy birthday mm-hmm. you were bored i was like oh. it's like it's like getting congratulated I, for the literally zero effort like not even yeah, zero effort I did nothing minus <laughs> minus effort like you made it harder for, for the task to happen <laughs> you know I mean? and you're getting congratulated for it year on year it's yeah. so weird it's so weird to me and you, but uh and your poor, your your poor, your poor mama to go through misery to get you out in the world, you know. It's like it is. It's so freaking. It's just like yeah, let's go drink because your mum nearly killed herself trying to birth your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah let's get pissed okay <laughs> but yeah man it's any excuse <laughs> it's 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 funny but um yeah man it's it's it really is um i think i feel like that's the overall um uh the overall conversation here in terms of just like what we're talking about in terms of like what how do you go about you know your career I guess and I feel like you have a a very logical one where I don't know if you I should have probably asked this beforehand but I'll just um I'll I'll lean into it do you have like do you see like the whole I guess landscape as it is which is obviously very volatile and you know and a lot of people have that notion that you know this this job could be your last kind of thing you don't know Mm -hmm. when the next one's coming or whatever you know unless you're in the one percent of one percent when you're where you're constantly getting handed stuff you know i mean it's just like hey Mm -hmm. you want to do this it's like yeah why not you know i mean (laughs) you don't you're not gonna say yeah now i'm good i'm I'm gonna chill for a year you know i mean you know i mean It's, it's that's a luxury um but obviously most people in the creative industry it's just like you have to you have to just keep chiseling um do you like do you does that um does that fit into your ethos that you've just described or is it literally just like the innate feeling that you know i'm i'm just I'm, i just want to do it and then just uh, keep it moving um it's kind of hard because it's kind of there's two things you know you kind of it's um I am not in the one percent of the one percent, unfortunately. Uh, you know and that you kind of. I, I've been. Re- I mean, really fortunate. You know, I don't. I. I. I've, 
I've worked more than I've not worked. Um, so that's great. It's it's. I think it's it's more. I suppose it's two things. I've kind of spent a lot of time working on other people's shows, and so I kind of you know you kind of scripts that come in that I will love. So I tend to pitch for, and I don't always get them. In fact, I probably you know don't get eight out of eight out of ten. You know, it's like so. There's a lot of stuff I spent a lot of pitches this year. That I, I just don't get. You know, mm. and. Um, and you know, and so sometimes the job I do isn't necessarily the job I want to do. It's like it's the job that kind of I got, you know, and that, you know, I went for five and I got one, or I went for five and there was a choice between two, and I picked the one that I felt was better, but it wasn't necessarily the best one. But then I think it's a bit like I was kind of saying earlier. I think you can kind of then go into it saying, you know, well, it's the best one, or you kind of go, look, it's the one I got. And I think someone said to me a long time ago, and I never understood it at the time. But they said, you know, it's going to work with the people that want to work with you. And I was like, I remember kind of going, oh, such a load of bullshit as well, you know. And then I kind of, then I kind of, I was like, because I, I, you spend a lot of time going and going, you know, um, I want to work with Amazon. You know, I want to work yeah. with this guy or do this yeah. thing. And then so you go chasing that, you know, and you go chasing that and you go chasing that. And, and, and they don't want you, you know. Or, and you're like, oh, oh, shit, why don't they want me? Like, is it something I said? Is it yeah. the way I look, you know. And then there is people that want you, and the, but they're not maybe doing the show that you want to do. You know, they're doing a different show, yeah. but they really want you. Like, you know, they really, really want you, and they, and they think you're great, and they're kind of bending over backwards to try and get you to do the job, but you don't. And I kind of then slowly began to go, oh, I know what that guy was saying, boy. Work with people that want to work with you. And there's kind of a truth in it, you know, and that I don't think you shouldn't. I'm not saying don't chase the dream, or don't chase what you, what you can't necessarily get, or isn't being offered to you. Um, but I think sometimes there's a little bit of like kind of, you know, just being appreciative of what is coming our way. And I think there's a certain amount, you know, if you can take something uh, and make it your own and, you know, like everything, like a musician or definitely with a director, you can take a show that on paper might not be the most amazing show mm -hmm. and you can definitely make it a really, really good show, mm -hmm. you know. And so you can, and I think it's just a little bit about kind of weighing that up, you know, but like I... I I'm not very good at that. It's a little bit about celebrating my birthday. It's the same kind of thing. It's like I'm I'm always kind of looking around my looking around the corner a little bit. So I'm kind of got one eye over here, doing the best job I can do. But a certain part of me does always look here to kind of go, oh, what if, what if? But I think as again as you get older, I think you kind of realize it's a it's a little bit of that grass is always greener thing. You know, I think I'd always look at you and think your life's way better than mine because you know, for whatever reason, and you look at me and go, what a life this guy leads. You know, um, but you know, there's always that you're you're fighting your own demons which you know are the worst demons that you can possibly have mm -hmm. you know because they're and um, but you're fighting there's, there's everything else you know I, you know i'm telling you my story but there's so much else that's going on in my life and, and yours that impacts on what you do and what you become and you know and so it um i think it's just, it's it is that kind of just not and I, i'm it's kind of be happy with your lot so to speak you know what i mean it's like be happy with it at that time i suppose is what i'm saying rather than say okay, this is me and I'm only going to make this for the rest of my life. Just kind of go, okay, for the next year, this show is my life and I'm going to give it everything. And I think people will, people see that passion and belief and you can make it what you can. And then next year, it might go somewhere else, you know, but for now, just focus on that. And I think you can kind of, I was, I've got much better at that recently. I was a lot of time always kind of looking over my shoulder thinking, oh, he's doing that and he's doing this show and why am I die? I'm kind of getting better, just kind of realizing, well, this is what I'm doing and take it and do the best I can, you know, and that's, I think that's important, um, but it's hard, I think it's hard, and I think, you know, when you always think that you are doing really bad, there's, you know, there might be five people better than you, there's, but there's always ten people worse than you, you know, like, in a way, and it's like, and, um, 
you know, just just think of that sometimes and think be kind of clear of that and then just look at what's what's important and i think this whole covid19 coronavirus thing maybe has taught that to people a little bit more that like family home life um is is actually really important and kind of sometimes we forget that and forget the kind of we're in search of everything else so i think it's like you know i, th- I think it's a little bit of that and i i don't always practice what i preach but i try to do you know what I mean? I try to kind of be good at it, yeah. but there's, there's times, I think it's a balance. I think I kind of try and practice that. And there's times where I become this absolute animal to try and seek out whatever the hell it is. Yeah. I think that's just me. I kind of go through these pages and I'm like, look, I'm happy and I'm content. <laughs> and then I'll kind of go and I'll sit and I'll email like a hundred people and I'll ring people and I kind of go, I really want this. And then I'll go and get it. And then sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's trying to find a balance of that. Mm. And it's like then being, being accepting of that's, what i am mm. that's kind of what i was born and you can't really change that and then like you kind of said it's like i would always say that it's nothing it's kind of comes natural to me in a way like people always say oh your enthusiasm is kind of you know you're really enthusiastic and i am it's just it's, it's natural i don't try really hard it just comes to me i'm kind of but it's probably my it's a, it's a selling point for me you know it's like i when i my enthusiasm will drive people to do things and that's as a director that's what you want And then we have it, ladies and gentlemen, as part one of my interview with Mr. Jimmy Goggins. So I did say, I did, I did, I did say that I'll tell you why I split into two parts. It's not because we had an extremely long interview like um, I did uh, with uh, Rick Flo, for example, or Dave James, right? This one was a hellscape from Wi-Fi hell. Um, yeah, Wi-Fi just bottled me like constantly, like just. <sighs> bruh I, I can't be doing with this this, this wi-fi down here is actually abysmal it's disgusting it's actually like it, it it's gut-wrenching it's it's horrible it's it's yeah it's grim um so yeah literally the wi-fi dipped like twice in the in the space of 10 minutes and uh yeah and uh so yeah but 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 we could have easily just had this one part but shout out to mr goggins for um you know just saying offering um his time for you know just another session just so we can you know just tie things up and uh we do eventually do that and uh you know i'm I'm eternally grateful for that um not many people would have you know made time for another session of interviews you know i mean i'm not i'm not exactly profiling him so to speak we're just chatting you know what i mean but uh shout to this going on that front so with that said i'm just gonna leave it there part two my interview with Mr. Jim McGoggins coming at the same time, Thursday, 11am, British summertime. But until then, from the 5th M Podcast Network, I've been Charlie Terry and this has been what's good. Have a great week, everybody. I shall always, always try and do the same. But until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.